I'm sitting under three of those artificial sunlight lamps in a room lined with Himalayan salt-flocked wallpaper, listening to the soothing sounds of optimistic whale calls, and still I feel a touch of the winter blues. Folks, I can't shake it. I told my doctor that I was having issues dealing with decades-old grief, and she recommended I try some insoles in my city sneakers. Those are sneakers I use for walking in the city. I keep them in a drawer at work because when I get to the meditation studio, I change into my Cuban-heeled boots to greet visitors and to give me a few extra inches for whenever Trent de Orby comes around to finger all my carefully arranged essential oils and then buy nothing but a box of detox tea. He uses our exchange to tell me all about how he really needs the detox after the night he's had. It always involves some tantric workshop, or a trip upstate to a jam-making facility in Woodstock, or a trip to SeaWorld. I get it, Trent. You have Marriott rewards points. I was a Starwood man myself for ages, but you don't see me bragging about it to every natural tea peddler I see. Anyway, he's got a couple of inches on me, so I like to wear the heels to project strength, just like in my favorite movie, Working Girl. Well, now I'm worked up, so it's probably time we open up that portal that leads to a land of equals, the Deep Night. Hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be your depressive dependent, your curious counselor, and your holistic host. Through this next hour of regrets and revelations that we call the deep night, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. So much has changed along the Gowani in the last ten years. But I think something's been missed in its rapid transformation into a Venice-style water corridor lined with luxury superfund condos, and that's... Its creative reuse is something it was originally designed for. Natural water burials. So many bones have been deposited and dissolved in the canal that it's strange that no one thought to put in a funeral facility right there. I mention it in the podcast today, but I'm reading Caitlin Doty's book. She's of the Order of the Good Death, and the book is called From Here to Eternity, and she travels the world to observe funeral rites in various cultures. And look, sometimes that means you keep a skull on a shelf wearing a beanie. And other times... You're going to use a key card to activate a light-up Buddha. What I'm saying is dying is something we all get to do. And the people who are left on the living side of the equation come up with all sorts of ways to deal with tremendous loss. Some of them are rational, others involved organized religion and a hopped-up consumer-driven corporate funeral industry. My guest today is filmmaker and writer Shana Feinberg. Now, Shana is like me in that we both gravitate towards the creative path when it comes to working through grief. It's our reflex and our coping mechanism, and for us, it works. Now, there's a lot in here about my own loss, something I've talked about in depth, but there are many other aspects of this that I don't go into. Am I sad all the time? You bet. Am I doing what I can to stay afloat? Yes. And part of my process is welcoming fascinating people into the studio to see what they're doing and how I might learn from their wonderful and prolific output. Shane is the creator and director of the acclaimed series Dinette from Brick TV. She's also directed the films The Baby Mooners, Senior Escort Service, and Sport Court. Her work has been featured on This American Life, Risk, and The Goddamn Dave Hill Show. She and Maeve Higgins created an original series for Audible called Aliens of Extraordinary Ability, and that'll be out soon. I so enjoyed meeting and talking with Shana. She does a lot, and we only got into a bit of the good work that she's doing. She does offer some great tips on the creative mine towards the end of the interview, so stay with it. Let's go now to my conversation with Shana Feinberg. 
Shayna Feinberg, hello. Hi. Welcome to the Deep Night. I'm so genuinely happy you could join me today. Me too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so fond of your work, uh, both in film as a writer. Uh, thank you for the artistry that you're putting out into the world. It is so compassionate and kind and honest, and I'm always happy to discover there's more of it. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, last week on this program, we were talking about sex, uh-huh. and naturally I started talking about grief. <laughs> Does that ever happen for you where you just get sidetracked by something you're feeling? Oh, yeah. I can't stop. Like, if I, it's like a. It's like a boulder going down a mountain for me, feelings. <laughs> yes. So there's no stopping it. That's right. Well, and especially grief, it's just um, we're going to just start right there because it's all, so all-encompassing sometimes uh, that it's often all I want to talk about. And when I know somebody has had something or uh, they're also dealing with it, I just want to, oh, we can spend an hour really... <laughs> really getting into it, but then instantly I want to run away from it and never talk about it again, and that's just how I go through life, I guess, running to this thing and running away. I'm a Libra. What can I say? It's always that kind of balance. Yeah. But um, I was so sorry to hear about the passing of your father. That was a, a year ago or so? It was um, two years ago now. Two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, you, you're doing okay? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I I, um, I mean, I miss him so much, especially Sunday was my birthday. So I've been Happy like, birthday. really, thank you. I've been really missing him. But I, I've done, I've made a lot of art about his passing. Yes. And I think that's really helped me. So, um, so most of the time I feel very much at peace with it yep. now, but I also really allowed myself to grieve. I think that's uh, wonderful yeah. and key, and that, that's part of why I wanted uh, to have you come in and, and, and talk uh, with me. I lost my mother when I was 20 or so, uh, so it's been some time. <laughs> yeah. You'd think I would be, you know, at least past it, resolved, had some kind of process that was meaningful, and any time I feel that I have, it just sneaks right back up on me and just takes the you know takes your legs out from underneath you. Yeah. But you had this wonderful piece in the New York Times about your process of working through grief and making films that were uh, inspired by or about it or was actually your grieving process. Yeah. How did you come to know that that was the thing that you could you would, could do? Was it just natural? You had to start making the work. Yes, it was very much as someone might say organic. Oh um, yes. Yeah, like I when I. I have, I think it's an affliction, but I think it might work for me too, which is that whatever it is that I'm feeling, I'm like, I have to be writing about this. Yes. So when I, I, I had a kid and when I was pregnant, I made a movie about being pregnant and being worried that having a kid would ruin my career. <laughs> and like I... And it hasn't. It hasn't. No, actually it makes your career better, at least for me, because... I have to do so much before 5 p.m. Right. Like that I'm just so much more productive. I feel like in my 20s, I literally just like lay about and um, didn't get as much done. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I have to do all this stuff. Like get him out of the house and then do a few chores and then that's it. I got to like do all my work. Yeah. I think there's probably uh, no – well, there are many artists that are very well organized. But I think that some of the artists that are parents – Boy, they really know how to take advantage of an opportunity if you get a residency or one of these things. Because time management, you, yeah. you're right, we're right there fully present. It's yeah. been stored up for however many hours. Oh, yeah. You're feeling everything all the time. Yeah. It's a background of worry. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> you, you know how to make it you, work. It's like I remember when I first had my kid, I remember thinking that I'll never look up at the sky again. <laughs> now I can because I can be like, don't run into the street. And I'm going to look up at the sky for a second. But I remember feeling that way. Or I saw a girl like picking her fingernail and I was like, I'll never do that again. 
<laughs> but now I can do those things because he's like more of a human. Yeah. But anyways, my point is yes. just that I think my whole life it's like whatever it is I'm feeling, I've been I've written about it. And so with my dad, when he died, um, five we well right when so I'm Jewish, so we did shiva, right? Um, which you do like you're thrown into it immediately. Like he dies, you're burying him two days later, and then it's shiva. So and that, that is a process where you uh, spend what, eight days or something. It's, it's a week. It's seven a week. days. Seven days. But sorry. It's technically not even really because there's Shabbos, anyways. But basically, they say it's a week. It wound up being something like five or six days for us because he was buried on a Sunday, and then I think we were done with it on Friday. So, um, but I I make comedy with these boys. They're men, but um, I call them boys. But it's these three guys, Chris Roberti, Chris Manley, and Jeff Seal. And they also loved my dad because my dad was in all our stuff, and Mm -hmm. he would always hang out with them. And so they were at Shiva one night, and the four of us were meeting, also like talking about, like, what should we do next as a project? And while we were having that meeting, there's also Shiva going on, and it's crazy because it's very sad, but it's also hilarious because everyone's just a human. So, like... One guy came and peed all over the bathroom, and then someone else came who was potty training. Not, not, not his... intentionally. No, not intentionally, <laughs> but then we had to, like, he had a cane. Okay. I mean, it was just like, you know, it was just a, he, like, had to, like, prop himself up anyways. The pee went everywhere. Yes. And then this other guy who I love is a good friend of mine was potty training his daughter, and she pooped on his pants. So then he's all of a sudden he's at Shiva with just his boxers on, <laughs> and then he's where he leaves the house wearing my dad's jeans, and so it was just like so absurd and weird, um, and very moving, but also very funny. And so five weeks after my dad died, the four of us decided we would recreate Shiva, um, <laughs> and so we just emailed everyone we know. And we said want to come play with us we're gonna improvise for a day mm-hmm. from 11 to 5 and we thought everyone would show up for like an hour and then leave but people came at 11 and like at a certain point in the afternoon the four of us the boys and i were in the back being like how do we get rid of them like no one will leave <laughs> like no one wanted to leave they were just having so much fun which was great right. but it was just like we hadn't planned on doing that much with everyone um but so basically we, we improvised for a day just kind of like around grief. A lot of it was really absurd. Some of it was moving. Some of the um, – we like wound up sitting in a room together and telling true stories. Some of them were true stories about grief. And um, so this is only five weeks after my dad died and like – uh, my story that I told the group there was that I really like imagined that my dad would sort of that I would feel his presence mm-hmm. and that the biggest shock was that I just didn't like he was just gone um and while that happened <clears throat> excuse me while that was happening while I was telling that story all of a sudden my kid comes up to me with cereal and he's really little he was only two not even two and he starts feeding me and afterwards, everyone was like, that was your dad. Your dad sent him. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. Yeah. But it was this, like, sort of magical experience that everyone else was having. Um, anyway, so um, then the following weekend, the four of us went back to the house and added in, like, kind of created some more scripted scenes to fill it out. Mm-hmm. And that was the first piece I made. we made uh, together. It was called Shiva. And it was it's actual grief and improvised comedy. And I just loved making it. Like, it felt really 
like it encapsulated everything I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was so great. But then I didn't feel done. Like I had all of this more, more stuff. Um, and it was at a time when I felt really like everything that belonged to my dad was so important to me. Like now I have these tissues in my jacket and I'm using them that he had <laughs> bought and I can use them and I'll throw the package away when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> but when, right when he died, for months afterwards, I was like, I have these tissues. I don't want to use them. He bought them. Do you know what I mean? Like everything of his was so important to me. Um, so I that's when I started making Senior Escort Service, which was the feature length movie that I made about my dad dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so well, now before, I have Before that. you start, yeah. you might want to just adjust that mic. Looks like it's heading oh. south. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Is that better? No, you're okay. You're okay. all right. Okay. I think we got everything, but I just, well, before it went all the way down. Yes. No, that's uh, good. Whether that was uh, uh, your father or another spirit just yes. <laughs> affecting you the never mic know. stand. You never know. Okay. Watch that. The, the, Is that the, okay now, though? Oh, yeah. You're doing great. Okay, it's good. It's doing great. Everything's fantastic. Okay. And we're on track. Um, the Senior Escort Service, which I want. Now, just to back up, though, yeah. because I want to make sure people know. And maybe most people do, but with the shiva, that's where family members drop in and uh, kind of honor the the life yes. that has taken place. It's family and friends. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. like your community come and they bring food, and um, and then they eat other food, and and people <laughs> like remember the person who died. And right. there's a there's a part where you can daven, like people will pray. But you don't have to do that part. Um, you know, there's, there's, and people just like tell stories and kind of connect. Yes. Um, well, one of the things I, I like about that that you mentioned was that there were these kind of uh, things happening that ended up being unintentionally kind of hilarious. And that yeah. there's a lot of funny things that happen around, I mean, every day. But a funeral can be just another day where funny things are happening and yeah. people are people and they do ridiculous things. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I mean, certainly it's been explored, but it, there's a great wealth of comedy there. Even in the selection of the coffins and all this, it's oh, yeah. ludicrous. What when you being upsold on a you know a box? Yeah, that, that you're going to put a body in, or whether you're going to have cremation or not cremation, whatever right. it happens. But I remember with my grandfather even looking at a simple pine box. We know what the function of this thing is going to be. Yeah. We, we don't need the Cadillac of coffins with the three different doors and the lining and all right. of this. It's a little bit over the top. Yeah. <laughs> and taking advantage, a little like a used car salesman, I guess, when they're out there with different kind of urns and all this. And sometimes I'm un- unintentionally drawn to things uh, as the conversation is about to happen like this one uh, that have to do with death. And so I found myself this week uh, reading Caitlin Doty's book about uh, From Here to Eternity. Do you uh-huh. know this one? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I, Where yeah. she goes around the world looking for different funeral practices and uh-huh. different ways of dealing with death. And uh, Shiva fits nicely into that kind of as a yeah. kind of alternative. It's not necessarily related to the burial precisely, but the uh, ceremony around death and how one can be closer to it in the way that it used to be when people would take care of the body and you do it in the home and all this kind of thing. yeah. It's. Uh, I think about uh, if in my mother's case, going to the hospital, getting inf- infections, die. You know, and then you're right. just so removed. There's such an apparatus there, an institution there, and yeah. a distance between the actual body. So to have a celebration like that m- must be wonderful. And I wish we had done something 
<laughs> like they were not Jewish, but uh, you know, Presbyterians, you're in the basement of the church and then you're done. Right. And then it's like, uh, another floral arrangement or a lasagna or whatever right. comes to the house. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that traditions. I mean, I'm like culturally Jewish. My parents, my mom's a convert, but they were like later in their lives, they became like actually more interested in the religion of mm-hmm. Judaism. But still for me, even though I'm just culturally Jewish, the traditions get you through. Like doing Shiva really helped me because it was like this period of getting to talk to like all these people who thought my dad was amazing. Yeah. And also... I don't know. I had so much fun organizing the food in the refrigerator. <laughs> we got so much food. There was a day when I was like, let's take everything out. We're going to put it all in. We'll put it back. I don't know. It was just like so, I don't know. It was just very fun for me. Um, and people, you know, the nice thing about that period is that people really are nice about it and they are kind and they expect that you're going to be sad. Yeah. The The bad thing I think in our society is that it's they expect that once that like a certain amount of time is over that you need to just be over it. Right. And I don't think that's fair. And so I remember by like February, my dad died in on January 19th. By February, people were already kind of like, moved, they'd moved on. And I was like, I'm still sad. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I like basically let my, and still, if I feel sad, I'm just going to be sad. But I basically let myself be sad for a year. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I'm really, really sad. This sucks. And you know what? There's worse things. My dad was 74. He just lay down and died on his bed after showering. As far as, like, as, far it was, as ways to go. It's the it's best way you yeah. could go. Yeah. But, um, but that said, like, he was my person. I loved him so much. And he was in amazing physical shape. There was no need for him to die. Yeah. His dad is 100 and still alive. He could have been still alive. So it was, for me, it was just such a bummer. And I'm really happy that I let myself totally grieve. And I'm really glad that then I made Senior Escort Service, which yes. is this, like, testament to my grief. And also, like, he's, I have footage of him in it and I have his voice in it and, I can now just like watch it and see the slice of my grief. Like it, it's like a container for my grief, and it's just so great that it exists. Yes, and I think you were fortunate uh, in your case that the the media had gotten to a point where you could document your yeah. family, and you're skilled enough to do it. But um, you know, twenty some years ago, I don't have right audio. I don't have footage. I don't have audio. I have the memory and a photograph that then I try to. You know, it takes on different shapes in your mind of, yeah. of what it was really like and trying yeah. to remember certain snippets of the softness of a hand or the sound of a voice. Yeah. It's all very abstract and can be frustrating in the grieving process. <laughs> have Have you ever seen – there's this Israeli filmmaker who's – I think only did this one thing, but it blew my mind. Yeah. It's this guy. He was, I think, like 20-something when his mother died. He filmed her. This was many, many, many years ago. He filmed her with an old, um, like a really old camera mm-hmm. the day before she died or the day she died. And then his father filmed, like then the mother passed away and then his father taped over that footage oh. by accident. Oh, dear. After the mother died. And so... 
this Israeli filmmaker then made a short um, using objects like a water bottle and some lotion or something like a thing of lotion, like these crazy weird objects to recreate the mother dying. It's so good. I'll send you the link. It's okay. amazing. It really blew my mind. I sent it to my friend, a friend of mine who hasn't experienced grief, and she was like, I don't get it, but I'm glad it spoke to you. <laughs> but I was like, I couldn't, like, I almost never watch something. In, like, I watch stuff all the time, but because I'm also making things, it's, I can see, like, I can almost always just see how the sausage is being made. Yeah. But this was like a thing that I watched that it was just like pure, like I wasn't looking at how the sausage was being made. I was just being like, oh my God, it's amazing. Anyway, so I I just feel like for him, he didn't have anything left over and he just like created it out of nothing. Yeah. Well, that's an inspiring way to do it. Yeah. I'm intrigued by it and we'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned in the... Wanting to see a, a a shine or something from your father, and that yeah. the, the the child came and gave you the cereal, and I remember feeling that way too. Of like, just let me know that everything's okay. I just need some kind of confirmation, and uh, I have uh, mentioned it before. But then a, a little a thing that was special to her just turned up in my stack of folded shirts, and I don't know why it did that. I mean, I went through a lot of shirts. I don't know why there'd be a fishing lure there after. You know, no, I would have noticed is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but then it was right there after I asked for this kind of thing. And whether that was coincidence or not, it did happen at the right moment where I needed to have that. And uh, it was uh, that kind of thing happens often where I try to reach out and just say, OK, now here's another. I just need to mm, I need some reassurance. Yeah. I need a moment. And it does happen whether it's just I'm open to seeing things or whether it's actually happening. That's up for debate, but it's yeah. always meaningful to me in the moment, and so that's how I go through. A fishing <laughs> lure? You know, my dad was a fisherman. Oh, he really? had all these fishing lures. Your mother fished? She wasn't a fisherman, but yeah. she uh, or a fisher person. A fisher? Yeah. Fisher? Uh, a fisher? <laughs> <laughs> she, she had no... I mean, maybe she had a love of the sea, but she uh, uh, would give. She had just recently started giving me like antique fishing lures and that kind oh, of thing. Oh, that's so, so cool! So I had a little collection. So it was one that she had given me. Yeah, and it just turned up in my you know folded laundry. Wow! Why? Yeah. Mm. See, that's yeah. a sign. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and I also remember her to the point about working through things on her, you know, in the deathbed there, and it was a nasty bit of business. But uh, while she had, when she was lucid during that time. She she imagined she told me she imagined me performing, mm-hmm. and I, was, I I hadn't performed. So in a way, I'm always thinking that every performance might be that one that she saw, and in a sense, I just keep doing it because I don't know whether I can ever stop. Yeah, <laughs> thinking that maybe this will be the one, maybe this will be the one. It's a it's a weird kind of motivation, I guess. Yeah, I think that like for me, definitely, like. My work has gotten so much better since my dad died. Yeah. And I um am I'm very prolific, like I'm constantly making stuff, but I don't feel like he's missed out on it cuz somehow like even though in the beginning I didn't feel him, now I do and I do feel like he's like would be proud of like I'm sure he would love the stuff I make. Yeah. Um Well, that's part of it too, isn't it? That you you imagine, well, 
uh, I got to where I, I am the person I am right now because this thing happened. Yeah, so, for sure. Well, I, and I used to for many years, and it doesn't happen as much anymore. But I would have dreams where she's alive but sick. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to go through the process of watching that happen again oh. and make the decision to say, no, you know what, I don't – if that's what the alternative would be, to see her die again, I don't want that. Yeah. I have to live in this moment and move forward instead yeah. of always trying to replay that or save her or do something. Yeah. Um, I haven't had that dream in a while, but it, it did take place for a long time. And I think that was another way of processing, you know, and, and then coming to a place where, okay – I have to be comfortable in this moment, and I am who I am because that happened. Yeah, and also, like, yeah, I definitely feel like the shoe has dropped. (laughs) Like, now I don't have to worry about my dad anymore, you know? And also, like, I I had experienced death before of, like, grandparents or a friend, and a friend died, sadly. But, like, I had never experienced death so close. Like, my dad was just, I was so close to him, and then getting to see him dead and someone who was in my life on a daily basis all of a sudden was gone. And, like, I feel like a more nuanced person or a more three-dimensional person because I've experienced that. And it's really, like, um, it really, for me, has inspired me to be, like, I'm not going to, like, let my light shine under a bushel or whatever i'm not gonna put it under whatever the saying is like i'm gonna let my light shine Mm -hmm. um and just do my thing because life is is short and like and and it can just it's so there's there's not much separating us between being alive and being dead yeah and so that for me it was even though it's a terrible tragedy for my life it's also this inspirational thing because it makes me be like well let me embrace today um, you know, and I have all sorts of, like, definitely have things that that are hangups for my brain. But it's been easier to be like, okay, we got to snap out of that. We can't let that <laughs> get a hold us back. Right. Just let it inform you. Yeah. It's part of you. Move forward. Yeah. 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 Um. And uh, you, you, I get think you were fortunate in some way that you actually. <laughs> this is from my perspective, but fortunately that you saw the body, though. Yes, because for sure. that, that uh, changes things. I got a phone call, you know, and I could, wasn't able to be there. But it's and I don't know that I want to be there. But yeah. but I think that you have a certain kind of closure that yes, uh, definitely maybe has it just different in that way. Yeah, that, uh, have to process it a little differently. It would make sense to me now that she would appear in dreams, and I'm kind of trying to come to terms with this. Yeah, finality I, of the thing. I know it's very strange, but when, like, I was sort of worried they were going to take him away before I got there, and then when I got there, I just wanted to hang out with him, and like he didn't. Now he didn't look good because they had to come and they try to resuscitate, even yeah. though he's definitely dead so now he has all these things in him and they're covering him up you know so i basically could see like his eyes and his forehead and his hands but i was like i'm just i'm hanging out in this room until they take him away Mm -hmm. and like me and my husband he was a mess (laughs) but like we just hung out with him and like and i'm so glad i did and like touched his hair he had this great hair and you know i took a picture of his hand which was strange, but I just was like, I, I don't know, he had these great hands, he had beautiful hands. Yeah, well, it's so, such a point of contact yeah. you, from child and parent. Yeah, but it's, it really makes you realize why people have all these rituals. 
-hmm. Like the, I know that there's so many cultures that have all different kinds of rituals and some of them can seem really strange to us. But I, I think that it's like all a part of the process, you know, to, or like, like I, I know that there's a wake for some kind of Christian. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. it, I don't know if it's Catholics or if it's every Christian, but, um, we've recently gone to some through via my husband's friends and family. And it's so strange to me to, but or was when I was younger, but now I'm like, no, I understand it. Like you go and people kneel in front of the body and like, I think they cross themselves and they maybe say a little something. I always ask my husband, like, what'd you say? You know? And he's like, you know, just like remembered them when they were younger. And, um, I think it's just important to like do all those things. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I agree. And, uh, and on that note of sort of being drawn to things where death is circulating or a, a part of it, I'd also started watching the Russian Dial Show. Oh, Did yeah. I, I, I watched it, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice meditation on death. And similar to some of your work as well, it's a uh, – I don't know what exactly it is. Maybe the creative team's behind it or maybe I think there's a lot of women involved in that yeah. show as I imagine in your productions as well. Um, but there's a kind of – kindness, a kind of openness to it, uh, to both of those uh, endeavors, uh, whether it's Dinette, the short series that you have, yeah. uh, or um, uh, Russian Doll, others. It's a, a beautiful picture of New York. It feels like a world I could uh, live in, but yeah. it's one that I believe, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's interesting. Someone else had, like texted me and was like, have you been watching this? It reminds me of your work, <laughs> um, which I thought was cool. I really liked the show. I binged it. Yeah. I love Natasha, Natasha Leone. And you can definitely, for me, I can tell that it's like there's a lot of women at the helm. Um, but, yeah, I thought I, I thought it was really cool. And it was nice to see the East Village. Right, right. Well, apparently it's some kind of meditation on the loss of the East Village as well. Yeah. I gather. I yeah. don't know. I don't know that history. Have you much, watched so. all of it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I really, by the end, I was like, oh, this is just about embracing life. Yeah. That's yeah. what I felt, mm -hmm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. And I don't think that's a spoiler. No. That's not. And I like the little <laughs> shout out to Bread and Puppet Theater Company at the end to, with the big puppets. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know that fella. And, yeah. uh, you know, I spent time on stage with that guy. Oh, cool. Oh, so it was nice to. <laughs> I know that works, so it's yeah. nice. Um, but uh, I think authentic authenticity is the key. Yeah, uh, certainly with Dinette. And you're going to do more of those? I don't know. I don't think so. It just come with six episodes. It was six episodes. Um, at a short first, series that takes yeah. place. I'm calling it a short series. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's oh, a it was, series. It yeah, it was. I guess it's a short. I mean, it was. It's an hour. Yeah. But um, I thought when we did it, I was like, we'll do more. But now I don't know. Um. But it was super fun to do, and because I I work so much with with these dudes, I've done so much with these dudes who are all in it. Yeah. But um, it was nice to be to have so many women, and we have some gender nonconforming actors too. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was it was really fun to do. It was it was very fun to do it, and also, I I was making senior escort service at the same time, which is a feature, and then I also now have finished my third feature. Um, and so um, I realized actually that doing a series is so much easier. <laughs> so <laughs> as a more immediate gratification, I yeah, would assume. Yeah. yeah. And people can see it. Right. And, and uh, enjoy it quick, more, more quickly. quickly. Yeah. yeah. And yes. also like you can be like, 
this part didn't work. Let's lose it. Yeah. Whereas with a movie, you're like, okay, we're going to lose that, but does that make the movie not work? Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like you have structure. to like, a movie is like an elephant and a series is kind of like, I don't know, like a bunch of birds or something. <laughs> it's just lighter. <laughs> and uh, uh, that has to do with uh, somebody coming to terms with themselves too and accepting themselves. Yeah. And loving themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, The there's a woman in it, um, Sheila, who um, wants to, is marrying herself as a way of, like, you know, accepting herself and, and um, kind of turning a new leaf, and starting a new phase of just really accepting who she is, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely, like, a theme in my work um, is kind of accepting, rather than stuff changing, just being like, this is what it is. Right. Um, you know, which is the same for the first movie I made, The Baby Mooners, and also for for Dinette and Senior Escort Service. It's not like my dad doesn't come back to life at the end. It's I just kind of like accept that this is the reality. Yeah. Um, and Dinette is the same, like nothing really happens, like nothing changes. The um, subtle shifts. Yeah. And advancements in the awareness. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's and the a, fellows. They no, there are there any men that talk in that entire thing. There's one guy, Chris Roberti. Yeah, he okay. gets to talk in episode four. <laughs> um, but everybody, the guys, like kind of come in and they're just buffoons. Yes, exactly. Just they're just tripping over themselves trying to get people's attention. Yes, yeah. exactly. And um, yeah, and they don't get to talk. Really. They don't get none of the other guys. The three other dudes don't get to talk. Yeah. And then that one guy, he talks. But, uh, and your it. character in that, you're kind of there every now and again as a camera operator. You're doing some kind of documentary or you're a filmmaker, I guess, yeah. within the context of the thing. But you're never sure if what we're watching is what she's doing or if what her – Well, I, I love... wondered about that character and inserting yourself into that. Well, I really like playing with like fiction and documentary. So, like my first feature is a is a hybrid, and Senior Escort Service is also a hybrid, and Shiv is a hybrid. And so, when I did Dinette, I wanted, I originally had wanted to interview all the whole cast, like not the men, but the women and gender nonconforming actors. I I wanted to interview them and splice it up, um, in between. But then we decided that that didn't really work, um. So, but I had already kind of written myself in as this documentary filmmaker and I liked the idea um, of having that option. So, um, yeah, so I I had that in there. But Dinette is the only thing I've made because even with my most recent feature, Blunderpuss, even though it's fictional, it's about an alcoholic, like a sober alcoholic uh, or a, a a clown who gets out of rehab um, and goes on an apology tour. And the clown is played by my husband, which who is a sober alcoholic and he's a clown and everyone (laughs) in it is our friends and they all have their same names and his siblings play his siblings. So it's like, even though it's not as much of a hybrid, I still continually like to sort of play with that Mm -hmm. stuff. So with Dinette, I did this, that was my sort of nod to that, even though I didn't do as much as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to, because we're always being documented kind of all the time. Yeah. So it just is like a accepted part of the circle that somebody's got a camera or doing right. something or there's an artistic um, 
impulse that's being represented. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> but you say that's probably it. Of that story, I, that's what you've done. I think so. Like, I imagined a season two, but I just don't know what will happen. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, maybe, it, maybe it'll come. Maybe yeah. Maybe will figure it out. Yeah. I have, um, like, um, we did, after I went to Tribeca with it, I did have, like, 25 meetings with different networks to see if it could be a television show. Uh-huh. Um, but as of yet, so I have, like, I made this whole show Bible and imagined it as a television series. But then... Um, it as of yet nothing has happened um but so i mean i guess it's still a possibility to do more with brick but i I just don't know what will happen it's really nice that i've had a lot of people reach out and be like like just strangers being like i need to know more it's usually women though so it's nice that you like it but usually women being like are there more is this it there's only six like so that's really a nice feeling mm-hmm. for people to be like, I want more of these people. Well, and maybe it'll work, but maybe in, yeah. the, in, the, in the theme of sort of self-acceptance, it's okay for a thing to just be the thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you've told the story that you need to do it. Yeah, and uh, I continually use all the same people. Yeah. Like, Senior Escort Service has so many of those people, and then Blunderpuss has, like, almost everyone. See, I think that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, so you it's give like, people a little hint of the character and maybe just a different side of them yeah and my my friend dre who's in everything i make she was like um it's the shane averse you know like i just kind of <laughs> right. keep using the same ensemble again and again <laughs> i love that yeah i me love too. when there's an ensemble that's happening um now uh do again with this idea of sort of finding yourself drawn to where the death is and all this, and in my case, quite inadvertently, it just happened in advance of this conversation, that last week I was in Alabama uh-huh. and down into Birmingham and the Civil Rights Museum and the church and the new memorial that they have for a, a justice and a, or a, a peace and understanding and uh, powerful stuff. And there's just so much sadness there and, of course, a, a lot of death. Um, but... Uh, do you find that your sadness is really just right below the surface? Um, I mean, how can you not be in places like that when it's really charged? Um, I don't know if you've been there or not, but it, it's uh, regardless, even if you just read about the thing. Um, but I certainly have found that as I've gotten older, I'm, it just uh, the sadness comes very quickly. Yeah. I think having had the experience of loss, ha- sort of processing it myself, then seeing something where it's just an overwhelming amount of loss, I get taken out pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely can be reduced to tears very quickly. And I mean, not just by my own loss, but by there's so much loss and sadness in the world. And, um, you know, yeah, I definitely think I don't know if I was always like I might have always been like that, but I don't think so. Like maybe getting older, experiencing it firsthand, like definitely makes it um easier to just like there's times when I'm just like I can't stop like my eyes won't like I'm fine I can be smiling but like literally my eyes will just be like crying yeah like it's so sad I mean um my best friend has a six-year-old and when she was five we were at the park at the playground and she was like telling me and her mom about soft lockdowns oh yeah and she just was like 
telling us about it kind of excitedly because she was five years old. She didn't understand what it was really. She just was like, and, and so the boys go into the bathroom and the girls go into the cubbies and we have to hide and be quiet. And it was like, I just started crying. I was just like, oh my God, this is so sad that this is like the world that we live in now. Um, so we went back to our house and ate dinner and then I plied her with a cupcake to tell me the story again on camera and we made a little short out of it. And I and then I wound up finding this audio online of um of a father whose daughter had been at, in the Parkland yeah. shooting, but she, but she wasn't harmed, but she was hiding in a cubby. And so we used some of that audio in the short and like, I don't know, I just... I just feel like I can't believe this is the world that we live in, that these kids just have to, like, deal, that that's what we have to deal with. Um, it's really sad and tragic. But I guess for me, I use all of that. Like, I find that making stuff about it is what helps me to um, to deal with or, like, manage my sadness about all of these things that are happening I think that's very fortunate that you are able to, to translate that and have a direct access to something where you can, uh, again, process might not be the right word, but to, to uh, d- handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and to, or magnify it or reflect it in some way. Um, and maybe if more people did that, we'd be better off if they had a means of uh, releasing some of the feelings that we're all feeling in, in this time. Yeah. Uh, uh, it speaks to the power that one can have if you have that artistic outlet. Yeah. Uh, and would the short go, did that get circulated through? I would imagine that would be I tough mean, to watch, but also uh, It's powerful. very short. I just put it on the internet. And oh, okay. People, we got really nice responses for it, but I didn't, like, do anything with it. Yeah. Um, I just, like, put it on YouTube. Um, But, yeah, I, I mean, I think, like, I really, I think it's so important. I mean, also, my dad was a therapist. And my sister and brother-in-law are therapists. So I grew up always processing my feelings, like really dealing with my feelings. And now rather than being a therapist, I make stuff out of that. But um, I think it's really important to have feelings. And like, and I think that the more like we have, I have a little boy and he has a lot of feelings and, I think that the more we can like help our little people express their feelings and um and they're sometimes their feelings are so annoying. <laughs> like he'll just like he, this morning he just like cried a whole bunch and I was like, "Oh my god, you have to go into your bedroom. You can have these feelings, but you have to go into the bedroom." Right. But like I think that the more we can like help each other um to express our feelings, like I think a lot of times people don't want you to be sad. Like yes. it's a bummer. Managing it. Yeah. yeah. Like to be sad or be depressed or be anxious. But it's like, it's just, I think so much of what's happening in our country now, especially with this like opioid, like, I just think people are just like numbing themselves all the time. And it's like, it would be so much better if we just were like, could connect with each other and be like, I'm sorry you're sad. <laughs> you know, I'm sad too. Or whatever it is. Like, how can I help you feel your feelings? Yes. Um, well, I'm glad you were here to to... to 
so we could both say that to each other. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm sad too. Yeah. Now, uh, part of what my work is, of course, I we run a little wellness clinic down there in the Gowanus. Do you ever? Oh, cool. I know you've done a lot of processing through me, art and, and therapy. Do you get into the self care? Do you have some crystals on the windowsill? Oh yeah, I have. Well, I don't have crystals, <laughs> but I have. Um, well, I meditate every morning, yep. and I do. I journal. I do this thing called focus wheeling. Oh, what's a focus wheel? A focus wheel is imagine a like a pet like a flower. So there's like a circle with all these petals, uh-huh. and then there's like a center circle. Yep, I got it. So basically, like many Venn diagrams. Yes, 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 totally. So what you're doing is like trying to raise your vibration. So we can so easily spiral down. But this is like helping you spiral up. So every day, uh, not on the weekends usually because it's like kid time, but during the week I meditate and I journal and I focus wheel. So like I will write a statement and you have to feel that it's true. So you start small. Like, you know, if it's about your career, for me I'll be like, um, well, you know, I've definitely come a long way from where I was three years ago. And then, you know, you kind of like – you walk up the ladder, um, or if it's about money, you can be like, "I've been here before, and I'm I found a job, uh, you know, when I was broke before, whatever it is." Like these, it's sort of like helping yourself relax about whatever it is that you're anxious about. Um, so it's a, a a reaffirming kind of a thing to put up there to say, "Don't don't worry about this current moment that you're worried about." Yeah, or you can worry about it, but just know you're not gonna. It's not always going to feel this way. Okay. Like if you're anxious, if you're on, like when I was giving birth, I did did them. Like while I was in labor, I was like, okay, um, a lot of other people have been, have felt the way I feel right now. And then they gave birth and they felt better. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like, you know, just kind of keeping in mind that you can like sort of, this isn't going to last forever. I'm going to move beyond this moment. And so you're kind of like walking. So you do, you fill in these circles with these little statements that are kind of telling you like, it's okay to want to lay on the couch in your sweatpants. Yeah. Because someday, you you know, you felt this way before. And then at one point you were like, I feel like putting on pants, regular (laughs) pants, not sweatpants. Yeah. And so you're like, it's not saying get up right now and put on your pants. It's saying it's okay to be wearing the pants that I'm wearing. Um, in fact, my friend, my best friend is always like, these are just the pants of the moment. <laughs> but we now use that to mean like everything. Yes. So I always think that like, these are just my the pants of, my, of this moment, whatever it is that you're feeling. <laughs> and it kind of just allows you to feel how you are yes. and be where you're at and then be like, okay, I'm not going to feel this way forever. So I can just feel it. Right now. And that that was actually really helpful in grieving my dad. Um, Something I think like my mom is much more not into feelings. And so it took her like six months and then she was like, I'm sad. Like she was like, it took her so long. Whereas for me, I was like, I'm just going to have my feelings, you know, and this is the feelings. These are the pants of the moment. The pants of the moment. Yeah. Well, I like that phrase, and I'm happy to have that introduced to me, and I hope you don't mind if I sometimes Please. use that. no, use uh, it. Because I think that's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> that's terrific. Um, Shana, I feel like we've covered a lot here. Yeah. And I feel very good. Oh, the good. The pants of this moment are comfortable. Oh, good. <laughs> and flattering, hopefully. <laughs> well, that's just something to work on. That that's will go true. in the, in that's the true. wheel. You're right, you're yeah. right. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you for, for joining me. Thank you so and, and much sharing for having so much. me. And uh, what, what's the blunder? What's it called? Blunderpuss? Blunderpuss, yeah. What, so, is that the next one that's going to come out? Well, Senior Escort Service is starting to premiere at festivals in March. Great. And Blunderpuss um, will, I don't know when it will premiere, but sometime this year, either the spring, summer, or fall. Okay. Um, so I'm just starting to send that out to festivals now. And um, and then I have uh, a, an audible project that I do with Maeve that will be coming out in the late spring. Uh, Maeve called, Higgins. Yeah, Maeve yep. Higgins. It's called Aliens of Extraordinary Ability, and it's um, 300 minutes. It's, it's 10 episodes of um, this kind of comedic drama um, about immigrants. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. And she's great. She's amazing. So you've, you've locked into a good one there. Yes. She's hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the quickest uh, oh, oh my God. people I think I've ever oh, yes, for had sure. on this show. That, that Definitely. Um, well, that's great. Well, I wish you great success with both Thank those you so things much. and everything that you Thank do. Thank you. Thanks Thank you so here. much. Wonderful. And I learned a lot. I'm going to be setting up my vision wheels and doing some circling. I'll get there. I hope you're doing okay. This living thing is a lot, but it's a good lot most of the time. Personalized reading goes out to Henry Turngill of Dabney Falls, Michigan. I'm sorry you're sad. <laughs> you know, I'm sad too. And lucky numbers this week are two, four, and three, as in there is no way our president weighs just seven pounds more than me. Not a chance, no way, he's lying, and I can't forgive him. I'll never let it go. It's the one lie that bothers me most. Anyway, positive thoughts. Positive thoughts. Listen to the whales, Dale. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced by James Bewley. Season 11 podcast icon designed by Candace Broers. My Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Plus some other stuff at the top that Dale just finds online and downloads to a secret folder. Poster artwork this season provided by Ronald Horn Industries, Maria Wen, and Scott Balmer, among others. Live shows every other month at The Slipper Room. Studio services provided by Harvestworks in New York City. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and catch some of the episodes on YouTube. Now, it's time to close up the portal and leave you with Gaia's blessings. Good night. <laughs>